All right, welcome to the Brew Theology Podcast. This is Ryan, and tonight we're going to be talking about New Year's religious traditions. Janelle's going to be leading us through this. We have got Eric and Kelly and Diana here. Welcome, guys. There we go. Before we get going, a few things. If you want to do what we're doing, because this is a microcosm of what we do every week, go to brewtheology.org. Check out the ways in which you can be a partner. We have eight of them, don't we? So Northwest Metro, Denver, Greeley, Jacksonville, Jersey, Jersey. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is coming up. Yeah, and Raleigh. And now somewhere in Ohio. Canton. Uh, There it is, Canton. Sorry, Canton, Ohio. Yeah, so anyway, if you want to do this, this is fun. And so this group that we've got here tonight, uh, they meet every Thursday with a bunch of other people. And you can also go on social media and see what other groups are doing. They have social media handles, which I'll put it in the show notes. So I don't know your handles right now. I'm sorry, guys. I know you're listening. I love you. We'll have you on the show soon. So if you're in any of those seven, eight places outside of Denver, or if you know friends that are in Jacksonville, go Jacksonville Jaguars beat New England. By the time this is released, that game will be over. Okay. Everybody beat New England. Oh, Tom Brady. Okay. All right. Uh <laughs> Enough for intros. We have we'll, we'll do more later, but why don't we why don't we dive in? All right. So in our curriculum, what we talked about this week were a bunch of different religious traditions around the January first New Year, but also the New Years that they each have in their religious tradition. And um, then we also uh, just kind of looked at what are some kind of everybody's New Year's traditions, and those include noise of all kinds. Uh, food, lots of different traditions, uh, drink, wassail, spiced wine, beer, champagne, bubbling, whatever, um, gifts, kissing, oh my goodness, and resolutions, or as came up at several tables, intentions. I guess resolutions aren't really in right now. Is that kind of a thing? I don't know. So that's a millennial thing. Maybe, maybe. We got to we'll bl- blame the millennials. Blame the millennials. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, so the piece that you won't be able to see tonight is that we um, did a practice of making rangoli, which is a design that you create out of uh, that Hindus create out of sand or colored flour, often on their floors or out in a courtyard. And they use this for all kinds of celebrations, but especially in the new year, it's to bring luck into your new year. So feel free to go and do a Google search for a Rangoli pattern or watch a, we'll have a link to a video that talks about it. And you can see how this is done and uh, try your hand at either coloring with markers or crayons or you can order you can order sand online on Amazon. That's what I did for some of the tables. So we had fun playing with that. Um, so lots of options to interact with this piece of curriculum. I'm kind of curious. I know this is like the very end of the night, but when we did this coloring, I'd, I'd be curious to know like what your groups thought and how that changed the whole flow of the conversation. Because you, you've been drinking at that point for almost two hours. Everybody had gotten to know each other. You heard each other's backstories and then you're coloring. Did it help? I think it for my table, it opened the door to like natural conversation. So they kind of spent that time talking to each other and sharing stories and um, laughing at each other's artwork. Yeah, we definitely got sillier at our table. <laughs> I would say the same, that some people just kind of colored and then continued on. Because by that time, the conversation did turn into, um, you know, maybe slightly off topic things and just open and sharing. But right, it's, it was... Um, People are just coloring and continuing to chat. 
Yeah, it would have been nice to have a, a psychologist in there to like dissect each picture. <laughs> you know, the people who were controlled and the ones who were off the grid a bit and, you know. All right. Cool. Well, we're going to uh, start tonight. We'll do a short intro just because some of us are new to the podcast tonight. Uh, so I'm Janelle. You know me. Uh, I was born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene. I now go by the label of progressive Christian. Uh, I'm drinking whiskey. So don't be upset with me. Um, I don't think anybody's upset with that choice. All right. <laughs> so and, I'm ra- oh, go ahead. Go- Should we share our intention or resolution if we have one? Or not? Or should we save that for the conversation? Let's save it. We'll save it. Okay. Keep you, Sorry. Keep you wondering what what's what's Janelle's what's resolution. So I'm Ryan. I used to be Southern Baptist, and I am now a very open tent Jesus person. And some who are Southern Baptists might say that I'm not a Jesus person anymore, but I still am. I continue to be. Uh, I might not follow Jesus very well, but at least I try. So I, there's more to me than that. And if you've heard this before. You got the Anabaptist method, Jucostal stuff in there, so that's for another you forgot conversation. A piece. What you forgot the process? Oh yeah, and then open liberation process. Yeah. There's all kinds of labels you can put on me. All right, I'm Diana. I'm a minister at the Tri-State Denver Buddhist Temple, um, and I joined Janelle with the whiskey drinking this evening. So yeah, you can judge us both, I guess. <laughs> it's still brewed, sort of, right? Yeah, it's distilled. So it's a, that's it's a process. So, and I'm drinking an IPA, the Penelope from Declaration Brewing down the road. My name's Eric, and I am a recovering evangelical charismatic. I now consider myself um, open, just across the board, open, doing a lot of searching, a lot of studying, and so forth, just trying to uh, stay connected. Uh, very interested in all the different faiths and traditions. So, And I am drinking Papa Silence. From Odd 13 Brewing. Hi, I'm Kelly. I, I started out Catholic and then spent most of my adult life in more like new age spiritual um, focus. And I would say that I am also open and very interested in all, of tra- all the traditions and uh, concepts moving forward. Cool. And what are you drinking? I am drinking the Euphoria Pale Ale from Ska Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Cool. So everyone is drinking local, so drink local. Mm-hmm. Yep, Eric, you were telling us there's how many breweries in the Denver metro right now? Yeah, I saw a statistic that there's 147 independent breweries within Denver city limits. Wow, we don't like drinking in Colorado at all. So <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going to new places and tell you how they are. Can you guys imagine if this was a dry county? <laughs> we wouldn't live here. Those actually exist. <laughs> but not here. <laughs> All right. So as we um, slide into New Year's traditions, um, first we'll kind of talk about, well, we can mix it up. New Year's traditions you have in your families and or religious New Year's traditions you've either, you either have now or have participated in. So anybody want to go first? Well, I would say when I first started out Catholic, you know, my parents... Um, always had parties, and we always included the parish priest. But I don't know that there was anything necessarily religious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, and, and actually, the, when we, we talked about this as, as a group, um, 
there were a couple people at our table from Pentecostal backgrounds that had participated in a New Year's Eve tradition of singing and praying all night long on New Year's Eve, which I'd never heard of. Um, but I would say from my own experience, it's mainly been very secular um, mm-hmm. and just festive with you know party hats and you know kissing at midnight and the making noise and 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 resolutions of course. Yeah. So cool. Everybody just looked at me, so I guess <laughs> I better go. You're up. Um, all right. So um, well, I always celebrate the the secular end. So definitely parties and champagne and smooching at midnight kind of thing. Um, but religiously, New Year's is really important to us. So um, we come out of a Japanese Buddhist tradition, and so we have services on New Year's Eve. And that night we do services. And then if you've ever been to the Denver Buddhist Temple, we have that huge bell out front. And we ring that. We try to do it 108 times because in Buddhist tradition, that's how many... Um, see clashes how do you like kind of bad attachments that each person has so basically we're banging all of those out so we can start fresh for the new year um new year's day we have a service and then the ministers spend the day visiting around to different families and basically just eating and drinking sake all day um (laughs) which is new year's tradition i guess in japan too people go around and visit different families and Right before all of that, uh, at our temple, it's the high school group that makes this, but everybody gets uh, mochi, which is basically just pounded rice cake. And we put them on our little home altars and at the altar at the temple, and they're called kagami mochi. Um, Kagami means mirror. So it's also a way for us to look at ourselves at the new year and kind of figure out what we're going to do from that point on. So. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the difference between the the boring Western cultural traditions, which are there's really not much there, and then you have you the Eastern like drinking tra- and smooching. Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Puritan guy, raised Southern Baptist. I don't even dance. No. Yes, he does. I love to dance and sing and smooch and all that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, outside of the Gregorian calendar of the basic trying to uh, you know do all the kind of fun stuff that goes along with that. Before kids, we would, you know, we'd do the hotel thing and go out and party. But, that, you know, that's some of that is like, well, it's just another night to party. And that's fine. But then the next day is a little bit of a letdown because you're like, OK, then what's next? Well, there's football after that. Well, then what's next? And you're, you're left with these black peas that, that aren't even good unless they're soaked in good vinegar and they got some, you know, good zest to them. But, I, yeah, we didn't really do much. Uh, religiously speaking, it wasn't until I got into the Jewish part of, of the faith and started doing Rosh Hashanah. So getting apples and dipping them in honey, the sweetness of the new year. And then you have these 10 days of awe up that led to Yom Kippur. And that was a time of, some of it was fasting. I'm not a good faster, um, but there's that, it, it's like a s- contemplating of the soul of who do I need to write wrong, you know, wrongs with and who do I need to, you know, uh, forgive and what things are holding me back. And these attacks, it's like an attachment thing. These things that are getting in the way of you being, the you that you're supposed to be connecting to the divine. And so then on the day of atonement, which all of that stuff, there's been different traditions throughout the years. So you can't say, well, this is how Jesus did it. Cause we don't know. But currently there's this um, kind of tradition called Tashlik, which means to cast away. 
And I would take Caroline over to Wash Park even, and we would get little pieces of bread. We'd throw it out into the water, and that's because the yeast is a symbol for sin in the Hebraic Jewish world. So then the sin, the yeast is being cast out. So you're casting away the sins and, you know, whatever that means. So, I mean, which for a kid could mean, you know, listen and obey mom, you know. <laughs> uh, for an adult, we just won't go there. You know, this is not a confessional. But I, I do think that there's something to ha- that experiential learning. And we would sound the shofar. I've got it around the corner in this room here. And uh, that's to awaken the soul. And it's also um, this coming of the king. So, I mean, if, if Christ is king, and in my, if, if I am a Christian and I'm trying to kind of go down this Jewish path, then there's an awakening of what, how is Christ king in my life? And, um, or, am I, or am I still little king, which that's what Ryan means, by the way, <laughs> little king. But it, yeah, it wasn't until I got into the Jewish stuff that, um, that New Year's, yeah, <laughs> you know, New Year's became a thing. So. Best porn name ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, that's gonna come up later. But all right. <laughs> um, so my family, we have always sat down and watched New Year's Rock and Eve, and uh, done uh, usually bubbling cider until I learned that alcohol would not kill me. Um, through God's con- condemnation and lightning bolts, it may kill you, but not for those reasons. Um, and then uh, we would we often eat a sh- shrimp with cocktail sauce, and that's really the extent of it. Now we were part of a Spanish congregation for a couple of years, and they do a night watch service, which is basically like you mentioned, singing and praying over the new year. Um, so starting at like nine ish, and eating and singing and praying, and then you hit the new year, and basically everyone goes home. So I have done that several times. Um, but in terms of like Christian New Year's traditions, there really aren't, aren't many. Um, so that's interesting. One of the distinctions that you'll see in the curriculum, as I mentioned at the front, is that um, New Year's isn't always celebrated on the first for everybody. Um, we, I think as like kind of as a culture, we celebrate the first, but in a lot of traditions, that celebration happens either in the fall, late fall with Judaism, um, Advent for Christians starts right after Thanksgiving. And then for a lot of the other traditions, their new year is in April, March, that kind of early springtime. So Lots of different ways to celebrate uh, this idea of renewal and starting over um, and what those traditions look like across the board. So then when you got into Advent later in your Christian journey, did you did you create a new year out of that season? And do you still? I've actually, this is the first time I really thought of it that way. Like I, I've been in a liturgical church now for three and a half years and I get like that that's the beginning of the church calendar but um haven't totally like formulated a theology around the the new year as advent one of the things that came up in this year's lectionary is that it's not only waiting for the baby Jesus to be born but we're waiting for Jesus to return in revelation and the emphasis on apocalypse not being the destruction of things, but the opening and uh, exposure of things into their trueness. So 
looking around at the world and your experiences and being honest about what we're really seeing and what's really going on there. And out of that reality, then truth and growth and renewal can happen. So there's definitely a big, um, there's a way to connect that. I can't say I've ever heard anyone preach about it that way. Or, I mean, usually we have those kind of sermons around Easter because that's when Christ resurrected. And so this is the newness and this is the recreation and all of those things. So I don't know. I think maybe, maybe it's something to explore. Maybe something Christians should, could, could think about is like, does Advent serve as more than just the beginning of the church calendar, but some sort of new year? So, and if any of you have had different experiences with Advent, please let us know. We'd love to know that. So the third thing that we have on the curriculum, and we may not have any takers on the podcast, that's okay. Um, but is there anything personal that you want to leave behind from 2017? So probably everyone in this room, I'm guessing, would like to leave some of our political realities behind, but we can't really fix that. So um, personally, is there anything that you're kind of glad that you're moving past from 2017? Well, Eric and I were just talking about this earlier today and how we you know, there's always someone that's saying, oh, I'm so glad for this year to be over. You know, and I think that's the context you're talking about, yeah. right? It's like, oh, you know, good riddance to 2017. And I have to say, from my view, no, 2017 was an awesome year for, for me if, and as far as I'm concerned and for, you know, our marriage and our family and our adventures. It was also an awesome year. Yeah. So I was like, why can't 2018 just bring more of that on? It's like an open heart, open opportunity. Um, but I do know, I mean, I've had plenty of people, like they got fired or they got divorced or yeah. whatever. You know, they're ready to leave that behind. Um, so I would say from that perspective, n- no. I mean, other than there's always the have to work on the ego, have to work on the entitlement. I mean, those are things that, you know, as an evolution or we try to yeah. of our spiritual beings, you know, ha- let that chip away a little bit, leave some of that behind, and maybe 2018 will be more graceful. That's cool. I like that. More graceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can never seek to embarrass, I can never yet embarrass Ryan, but I'll try again. Um, as I've looked back on 2017, Um, I have to tell you that as a high school nerd and continuing nerd for the rest of my life, like this was the most fun I've ever had, I think, in a year. And that's That's really because of Ryan, because he helped bring me into um, community and into activities that were way outside of anything I would have done on my own. Um, and we had a great experience at Wild Goose and beer Dance, dancing, dancing, and beer camps, and uh, it really has been pretty great. I mean, that piece of my existence has just been something that I've never experienced before. Um, so, thank you for giving me a sense of belonging. You're welcome. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, anyone else? Something you want to... Mike, 
could certainly echo that. Yeah, it was great to have been able to join the group. I guess I can yeah. ultimately thank Amanda Henderson for making <laughs> the introduction, but thank Ryan and all the rest he is for just welcoming me in and letting me be the, yeah, first be, I guess, the the interloper for a little bit when I was checking <laughs> no. the group out, but now, now I feel welcome. So Yay. Yeah. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys. You know, in a lot of ways, too, I mean, without having this, we do this every Thursday night. And then when we had that three week break, it felt like like something was off and the rhythms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even having such a weird year politically, socially, looking at Facebook and Twitter and like this is what's happening in our nation. And yet this group made me feel like, OK, I'm not I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, sure. I'm not crazy. And OK, we we're all on not that we're on the same page in that we believe the same things, religiously speaking, but like. Our, I think our hearts are aligned in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and the values yeah. that, that we go, am I taking crazy pills when I read stuff online? Okay, <laughs> then we're all taking crazy pills. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe we all just have decent hearts. So I appreciate the heart of the people that come every week. Yeah, yeah for sure. Our people are awesome. Absolutely. Cool. I would like to leave behind impatience. I am I'm ADHD in my core. That's just, I was diagnosed in fourth grade. I've learned to cope throughout the years and discipline and, um, and I've done good in some areas, but, uh, the impatience, I having two kids. Oh my goodness. Uh, and I love my daughters, but I really would like to be more patient. So that's to be a little vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I'd like to not, you know, yell as much, uh, over little, little things like spilled milk or whatever, and just be a bit more chill and let things go. And not worry if the house is, you know, clean or not clean and like, it's all right. Let it. Okay, Ryan's house is immaculately clean. Now, I am a messy, so it's coming from that lens, but like everything has a place. So Let ignore it, him. That's a control, that's a control <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? For, like for me, no, I go, okay, I, I can do this. This is one thing I'm in control of. I'm not in control of anyone else, but I can keep the house tidy. <laughs> and he does. It's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, just yeah, being more, more laid back is. People think, oh, they meet me. You're such a laid back guy and you go with the flow. Not really. I have agendas. I'm organized. I'm anal. And ask my wife, even if the date night does not go as planned, she can look at me like, oh, what, what did you have in mind? You know? And so I always have something in mind. <laughs> How it's all going to go. And I just, I don't want that. That's so annoying. We'll try to be slow this year. <laughs> what else do you want to leave behind? What else to leave behind? Um, Well, let me, so a little vulnerability and it's nothing I can fix, but um, it's been on my mind lately. If, if you know someone with chronic illness, um, can you just hear that? Like they can't fix that and it's always there. And I suffer from chronic migraines that um, have been extremely severe the last couple of years. And, uh, it's gotten harder, especially over this year, as I have months where I feel great and I'm functioning and I'm everything's working. And then I have a day like today where I was feeling great and then that stopped happening about mid-afternoon and I have a lot of stuff on my to-do list, a lot of stuff to organize and get done, and I can't do it. And um, I need to leave behind beating up on myself about that because strangely, at least this is my experience, the longer you deal with a chronic illness the more disappointing it gets every time it gets worse again. 
And the harder, it's like, what did I do? Did I not pay attention to my triggers? Did I eat something wrong? Did I not sleep enough? And often the answer is there's nothing that you did. It just is life. Um, But it's, it's a very easy place to like, let that inner narrative and negativity take over. So I'm going to try to work on being more graceful to myself. Um, if you're waiting for an email from me, know that I might not have felt good a couple days this week and I will get back to you. Um, and if you have people in your lives that are suffering from that, even if you can't see it, please recognize that it is so real to them and their reality. And I would encourage you to just sit down with them and ask them, like, what is your day-to-day life like? What is it like when you, you have three good days in a row and then you're in bed for a day? Um, so I don't know if that's quite related, but I, I need to give myself more grace because that just takes me to a not good place with myself when I'm already not feeling well. I appreciate that. Thank you. How about things in which you're, you, you're reading or like, oh, I, you know, some people say I want to read one book a week. Somebody in our group said that and they have, they have their little list out and, you know, every single week they can check off the box and write down the book and, but whether it's a book or it's, you know, maybe you're in a movie club, a poker club, one game a week. No. <laughs> oh, is that what we're leaving behind? The, ga- the gambling. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the, so we can move towards like, what are the things we want to add this year? Things we want to achieve. Um, maybe you call them resolutions. Maybe you don't, but what are maybe some of our goals around the table or things that we're participating in? Sure. And to pick up where Ryan, where you started is that, yes, I mean, we always have goals or I always have goals for reading books and for wellness and for volunteerism and a number of things. But one of the things that I have goals for, too, is um, being measured about it. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, because as soon as um, we actually did, you know, have uh, we we went to grandma's, had some beers and started writing out some goals. And then what we started doing is reject, what are we going to reject? Because in order to really be productive and meaningful, I mean, we can be spread real thin. We dabble a little bit of everything. And it's, so you tasted a lot of things, but you didn't really go far with it. So, I mean, one of the things that we're trying to embrace is um, rejection. You know, rejection sometimes is a good thing. So what are we going to reject so we can focus on and put more depth into other things? So reading is definitely one of them. And like last year, I was like, oh, I'm going to read. And I had a quantity of books I wanted to read. I didn't hit it, but I definitely read more books than I had read the year before. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, and I'm not going to be that. I mean, that's one thing that I'm not going to beat myself up over that. So um, I would say some specific areas of education, um, whether it's like financial education, which I think is important for everyone to have that our society does not teach, our education system doesn't teach, our parents don't teach us that. Um, and then, you know, spiritual education or theology education, um, important time with the people that are important to you. Like, I mean, but, and having been uh, quality time. Um, and then like a, a new thing is like, what is the value? And then what is the right metric for that value? So, I mean, I have sisters, and I want to have a good relationship with my sisters. But if that, if it, that means that I have to talk to them every week, well, that's not going to happen. But it doesn't mean I don't have a good relationship with them. Right. So, I mean, I think that's something that we can, we can get ourselves wrapped up around the handlebars around if we can't frame it in a healthy way. And I think we're not good at framing things in healthy ways. Yeah. I love this idea. I love this idea of priorities and being realistic about how we achieve them. Like, that, that's kind of what resonates with me is... 
yeah, I want to have a great relationship with my sisters, but calling every week's not going to happen. So then what does it look like for me to reflect my value in this relationship and be able to do that in a meaningful way? And that is so hard, uh, especially when you have lots of things on your plate or lots of interests, like picking out how to put those in order. That always baffles me. I can do okay, like on a project, and get, but when it comes to like weighing things against each other, the value system to do that, that's hard. Well, and I think one of the important parts of what Kelly said and what we're looking at is, you know, in American culture, we can get to where we have like this, this cause or this, um, well, it's cause overload, right? Mm -hmm. There's a million things that pull on your heart, could take your money, could take your time and mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. So you know, I, I don't think she emphasized it, but not maybe enough. And it's really about the rejection, mm -hmm. you know. And so when you've got this menu in front of you of a 100 things you could put your time, your money, your efforts into, um, you really have to focus on the ones that you're going to get rid of, you know. Can you articulate yet how you decide that? Or a little insight? Well, I, you know, honestly, it comes back down to what are your core values in your life? You know, whether it's family or, um, you know, your career, um, children, grandchildren. We just had our first grandchildren this or grandchild this year. Um, so that was a big thing for us. Uh, another reason 2017 was awesome. Uh, but what are your core values, you know, and you got to come back to that and say, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff pulls on my heartstrings, but what fits in with my core values and everything else goes away. Because, uh, and we read this in a book, but, uh, you know, going deep is where the gold's at, right? Yeah. But in order to go for the gold, you got to spend time. And that's where your, you know, that's where your efforts and your attention and everything, everything should be. So do y'all think, and I'll, we'll speak generally and then get specific if we want to, that people spread themselves so thin with so many like audacious goals and this would be great and so many causes because ultimately if you have that many, uh, it's almost like a protective mechanism and it's fear-based because you're not going to succeed in any of them, especially the ones that you know that you're supposed to do. And so you never get around to doing the thing that you're supposed to do. Even though you're, even though you've got like you know ten things, like there's that one you know, but like, but if I do these other nine, it's, I've it, I've spread right, I've self sabotaging. It. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think people so. People never really invest in, in who they are and what they're they're called mm -hmm. to do in that season. But I can feel good will. about myself because I did you know seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. When really my my life would have had so much more value if I would have spent time on just one and two. And this is a, this is like a, a fear of failure. Right. Which we all have, if we're honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back too, to what Janelle was saying about having grace for oneself. Because certainly religiously, we talk about that all the time, that we're not wisdom-based people. We are very foolish. We do things based <laughs> on, you know, just whatever experiences <laughs> we've had. And so we need to learn to be you know, have grace for ourselves or be kind and compassionate to ourselves, knowing that even if we do set only one or two goals, shit happens. So you might mm -hmm. not hit it. And you have to be willing to kind of let that go through too and be like, okay, well, I didn't have time to do it this week or I didn't even have time to do it this month, but that's just how things go. And I think that's a lot of some of the problems with the resolutions too. Cause yeah, like you said, Ryan, the, you get very, 
caught up in that like, oh, I failed and, you know, now I can't do anything. And yeah. Well, so I wonder if, a- if our reaction is a little different coming out of Christianity mm-hmm. than you coming out of Buddhism. Like, cause I know letting go is a big part of the spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for us, for me, already having like a driven personality that likes to check off the check boxes, mm-hmm. then having it be tied into sin Right. And failure and my sin before God, like completely devastating mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. can't do the things and you can't finish it all and you can't get there. And I, yeah. I like how what I hear in you that it's much more about like, like I made the goal. I've, I've put in as much effort as I can, but mm-hmm. like life happens and I need to not hold on to that and punish myself, mm-hmm. but let it let it go. Try again. Like. That's a way healthier theology. Well, and that's actually interesting insight just for myself as a minister, because I grew up in this tradition. So all that kind of thing makes sense to me. But we consistently have people who come in who are totally new to Buddhism. And most often what we see are what's the precise path to attain some goal here and how do we do it? Give us the list so we can check things off. And I don't know if people just think we're being like purposefully obstinate or what, but we don't have that. (laughs) Like we have to, okay, so what's your deal today? And let's talk again. Wait, 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 wait. I want the Buddhist 10 commandments. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And we're constantly like, Oh, I guess, sorry. Um, who are you and tell me your situation because it's very personal situation based. And so, yeah, we always have a real like, again, I grew up in it, so I'm never quite sure because people go away sometimes really disappointed that we don't have, don't have the checklist, a step by step list. And the graduation ceremony. Follow. Yeah, yeah, that's a good membership <laughs> graduation ceremony. I love well, that. Well, that's something yeah. I will, you know, give that Christianity needs to take a lot of credit for is that that whole sin, sin, sin. And, you know, and I was Catholic not very long. I mean, from a, from a young person, but you know, Catholicism had confession and I was a kid and I was so freaked out about confession. I was like, I mean, like, uh, uh, because you're not supposed to sin, right? You're not supposed to sin. And I think the vehicle in confession was like, all right, get it off your chest repent, you know, and, and then like repent, you know, and repent was, you know, say 10 of our fathers and 10 Hail Marys, and then go on and try to do better next week. Whereas other religions, I had my friends that were, were Pentecostal or Baptist or whatever, the sin was just sin. And so everybody was so freaked out that they couldn't be a sinner that you couldn't even be honest with yourself about your failures. Yep. And, and I think it's not only Christianity, but I think it's Western society that we, we don't, we don't let, we don't, we don't encourage people to fail. We don't, we don't encourage people to reject and or accept rejection. We don't, so. Yeah, it's not just the church. We say, oh, the church right, doesn't have right. grace. Right, I think it's Western Look culture. at society right now. Right. We don't have grace on anyone. Right. Even people who say, my bad, you know, like, oh, let's crucify them again. Like, they already feel bad enough, you know, the guilt and the shame that comes with, with whatever sin that, that is. But, yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty horrible. The entertainment industry, I mean, yeah, politics, we say, oh, well, they deserve it. Man, they're still humans, you know, and... Um, at the end of the day, we all are. Have some grace, people. Yeah. Damn it. Have some grace. So intention number one, have some grace. That'll be our theme this year. Compassion. Um, breathe. Have a little mercy. So any personal r- 
resolutions or intentions. So you're, you're going to work on rejecting, like thinning the herd of to-do items and mm-hmm. stuff going on and try to focus on the important stuff. Um, mine sounds really silly compared to that, but I moved the Amazon app off my front screen and put it deeper into my phone. Uh, I think um, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't even know what the Amazon app is. So you can, you can care, you can carry around Amazon prime in your pocket and order whenever you see something. So, which I still use it because it is my list of like, especially books. Like I have everything I hear about or want to read in there. Um, but I think it's gotten, to be honest, just too easy to go ahead and, oh, well, I'll get it and I'll, then I'll read it later. And I think I need to really be patient and just write it down, mark it, and then come back to it and decide if this is something I really love. Like, is that something I need to read? Is that critical to what I'm trying to do with my life? Anything else? Other resolutions or intentions? So I, I think the continuation of, and this is going to sound weird and I'm not bragging or this isn't about vanity. Uh, I just started strength conditioning in August with some friends. And so the accountability that goes with that, having two gym buddies doing this and having goals has been incredible. And not just seeing the numbers go up, which is fun and the strength go up, but um, like it's, this is healthy. This is good for yeah, this is good for us and good for us as friends too. So I just want to continue that. And that's something you said, 2017 was great. That was part of 2017, but I want to, I want to continue in this. Um, I, I feel a lot healthier. Cool. Uh, all right. So we kind of touched on this already, but are there any other tools or systems or books you've read that have helped you make change in your life? Um, something that has worked for you, or even if you want to share something that you tried that didn't work. But I know a lot of us probably read different self-help books or time management or those things, or have learned different ways of coping with our own way of organizing. So what are some tools that have helped you in your journey? For me, it's people that I trust. So even going back to what I just said, so having accountability, I invite it. If it's somebody that I trust and that I love and that has my back and wants what's best for me and vice versa and there's a mutual exchange, at the end of the day, it's it's community. It's that really core invested community. So uh, kick me in my ass in a loving way. Tell me what I need to hear. Yeah, because without if, if you're just checking in with yourself, you'll, you may get far. But if you're checking in with somebody else and they really care for you, I think you're, you're going to push yourself further. I would say... Um a couple of things that I've stumbled upon recently is having the right value and the right metric for that value. Okay. And then another thing is, like, as it relates to goals, is instead of having a goal, have uh, forget the goal and commit to the task. Like, to your point, um, you can say, I want to be fit. Okay, well, okay, I want to be fit too, but I'm not going to, um, so instead of that, I'm say, okay, well, I'm going to run three days a week, or, and so have that be the goal. Um yeah, have it be task oriented versus, you know, goal oriented. If that makes sense, my right. goal might be is like, you know, I, I want to save, you know, fifty thousand dollars. It's like, no, okay, what I'm going to do is like with each paycheck, I'm going to put X amount away. I mean, or just have it just be very, bring it down to a very simplistic task. Yeah. So kind of breaking I find, a goal down into its actionable items, and then work on those. Right. 
And another thing that we've that we've read and talked about that makes sense to us is that because a lot of times we think that it's oh we're going to be inspired and then we're going to be motivated and then we're going to take action. But really, what we learn is that no, I don't want to run. I, I really don't want to run. Yeah. So right. So when I get out and take the action, you know, once I once I'm actually out running. Um, it's probably, you know, maybe 10 minutes into it. Then I'm like, because I mean, the first, the first handful of blocks till I get Especially to. Especially in Denver. Right. And it's wintertime. <sighs> yeah. yeah and, the, and the altitude, you know, so, and it's uphill the first time my, my I mean, little tiny uphill, if you know where I, our neighborhood, um, but it's like, it sucks. The first several blocks are not fun, but then I turn a corner and it's more flat. It's like, okay, I'm getting in my groove now. So I'm a little bit more motivated. And then a few weeks into it, I'm actually, I am inspired and I'm happy and I'm, you know, so that's been kind of the reverse action, motivate, instead of inspiration, motivation, action, it's really action, motivation, inspiration. So, so that, that's actually good. I have a lot of things swimming in my head right now. So when it comes to religion and so somebody from a Christian background and then Diana as a Buddhist, someone says in general, the goal is I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better Buddhist. And so what you're saying is, is we'll do the actions versus, I don't know, what would it, what, what does we say, uh, be, be a Christian or be a, like, but really it's the action that matters. So what would these actions be in, in our particular faiths? And then when is it, when does that become legalistic? And yeah, then it becomes about the Ten Commandments again, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you yeah. know, because someone could say, "Well, I'm, I'm so I'm going I'm to pray, and I'm going to pray three times a day, or I'm going to read my Bible ten minutes a day." And then at that point, if it just becomes about that task, or I'm going to go feed the homeless, you know, there's an action too. How do we balance the doing and the being, and not get too caught up in the doing? So we're then then it's that again that. I'm feeling guilt-ridden again because I'm not doing enough. Because it's never going to be enough. I mean, even running, you're never going to be able to. I mean, you can run a marathon. Well, there's always the next marathon, you know. And you can you can memorize an entire gospel. Well, there's always the next gospel. If you do that, by the way, text me. Let's let's talk about that because I want to know how you did it. I really do. I tried it once and I failed at Mark chapter six. But uh, anyway, Eric, what do you, what do you think about that? I don't. I, you know. I agree with the uh, the action, motivation, inspiration, but you can't stop at action, mm-hmm. right? Because if it if it just stops at the action, then it becomes legalistic. It can become habit, you know. Quite honestly, when when I was looking through this list of you know different observations and so forth for the new year, uh, the question that came into my mind is, you know, even within these traditions and these different society, you know, cultures and so forth. How much of this is just exactly that, tradition? Mm-hmm. There's no observation, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we do every year, just like in the Western society. We go to a party, we get drunk, we make resolutions that we're never going to attain, and so forth. And next year we do the same thing. All of a sudden you're 47, you know, and you're like, well, that's what New Year's is, right? <laughs> so... Nothing in our lives, I think, can stop at action. It has to move to motivation. And we have to do soul searching there. Again, it has to match to your core values. Yeah. You know, um, I read a book. Uh, it was one of the process books, but um, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was written by um, a rabbi that talked about a lot of the Jewish traditions. 
And he really had a problem at one point in his life with the observation or the, you know, following these traditions. Well, as he got older and had kids and families and all these kinds of things and really started getting deep into them, it was not about the tradition itself. It was the tradition was supposed to bring about thoughtfulness mm-hmm. and, you know, and true reflection on me as a person, me as part of a community, me as part of a, a larger existence, you know? It's not about the tradition, eating this, doing that, praying that, reading this. It was supposed to um, be evocative. It was supposed to bring us to another place, another level of understanding that what are, what are we a part of? Oh, and what I would add to that, too, is what I loved about the sharings of that book is, you know, because we all go through, we're, we're very self-involved with our, our stages of our own lives. And what this brings about is, is our interdependence, which Buddhism talks a lot about. But um, like we did, we had our grandbaby this year and we're like, oh, we're going to have our grandbaby. And we're, we're talking about all the fun we're going to have. We're going to take him camping and Eric's already shopping for mini bikes and, and everything. You know, it's like not only are we going to do that for him, but he is changing us, you know, and that, you know, he's this little tiny helpless baby, how they change us. And same thing with, um, you know, the kids getting married and th- these family cycles that happen are so rich. And I say, as we, we think that we're walking through our lives, but all these people who come into our lives and are part of our lives, they help change us as well. Yeah. Well, you, you keep talking about your values and um, your, how they align with your kind of your inner core. Did you, how did you get there? <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, are how we did there? You, wow. How did you get to a place where you can <laughs> one, talk about one, it? One I guess. Right. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that, that's a great question. So, quite honestly, um, one of the things I learned this year, um, became aware of this year. I think I've been learning it for a long time. But that is that, you know, I, I had this entire construct in my life of behavior, of action, of all of these things that was built around this core value that I had never challenged. And so all of a sudden, the behaviors and the actions and the, and the observations and so forth started to create a lot of problems in my life, um, personally and interpersonally and, you know, internally. And then there was just this point, you know, through a lot of reading and talking and so forth with my wife where it was like, wait a minute, maybe the value's fucked up, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I need to go deeper and look at the actual value that all of this stuff revolves around. So it was almost like the whole, you know, the earth around the sun versus the sun around the earth. And it was like, wait a minute. Um, it's not my behavior. How would I say it? It's, it's, it's not the necessarily the choices and the and the behaviors and the you know the everything that I am choosing that's the problem. It's the core value that's feeding those. Mm-hmm. So then you start to deconstruct that yeah. and you start to pull that apart and go, what really matters? Yeah. So I mean, it's a lot of personal dissection. Is there one resource that maybe comes to mind that was helpful to you? My wife. Yeah. awesome talk about accountability (laughs) she's little but nobody knows you as well as she does 
Well, I think that does testify to whether that person is a counselor that you're in a trusting relationship with or someone in your life. Having that relationship where someone can mirror back to you what they're hearing and what they're experiencing with you, um, I think is sometimes our best way of coming to change. Well, and I think one of the outcomes of that whole process there is, and so back to a, one of the earlier questions, what do you what do you want to leave behind in 2017? What do you want to see more of or uh, to see in 2018 is, you know, honestly, in, in the deconstruction of that, of myself, if you will, to some degree, I don't want to make this sound, you know, like, you know, more than it is. But, um, you know, I think in 2018, instead of saying, I want to be better, 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 better. I think what I'm really trying to say to myself in 2018 is, you know, I want to be more comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. You know, awesome. I don't always have to change me. Maybe there's not so much wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we could always pick apart ourselves, you know, and I think we tend to, but maybe, and as we get older and stuff, maybe we just uh, get to a place where we're like, you know what? I guess I think I'm an all right guy. And 2018 ought to be a continuation of 2017. Hmm. That's awesome. I would say coming from, um, you know, several of us come from a conservative Christian background. And at least in mine, I feel like there was always this underlying narrative of what's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? What do you do wrong? You're the one causing this. You're the one not being obedient. You're not bending your character and your life around Jesus. And, you know, I think I want to say it'd be a lot healthier if they would have started with who you are and then how do you use who you are to benefit the service of Christ. That's such a healthier narrative to me. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that need to be healed and radically changed in sometimes and we all go through that at different stages but what if what if the center of my faith journey was that god created me and i stand before them and then i walk through my faith journey as me and i just remember i have like this yeah i have like this burning like early it was my early teens and there was just such a culture and a narrative of like self-esteem is evil, self-esteem is wrong. And it just, it really did serious damage to my journey and my walk and how I saw myself. And I don't, I don't think that's the church doing good work. Um, I'm much, I'm, I've, it's funny you say this because like that's been a thought I've been having. Like what if I could be okay with me? And then go forward from there um, instead of constantly trying to fix whatever's going on. That seems way healthier. It's a good place to start. Yeah. You know, it's who I am. Yeah. And I think not only does it hurt the individual, like you're saying, it hurts everybody else around you. And so I think we've all seen people trying to fill a role, a skill, whatever it is in a religious world that they're, they're just not, that's not who you are. And it's painful because it's awkward. And I've seen people who are like, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. I guess I should go into ministry. In the back of your mind, you're like, oh, you're no. the last person who should go into ministry. <laughs> you know? And, no, don't please. But I, I think you have a lot of people in, uh, in, in the, I, I can only speak from my tradition in the Christian 
world and churches who are really bad pastors or bad teachers, and they're just, they're, they're not, it's not good for them and it's not good for people around them. So maybe you should be, I don't know, a really good businessman, a plumber, a lawyer. I don't know what it is, but do that thing that you're supposed to do well. Because you're, yeah, you're going to be miserable and other people around you will suffer. And you can still be a testimony to God in the midst of that. Like being the, being a, an actual just lawyer, whoa, or being a fair and thoughtful business person. I mean, like those are things that our world needs as much, if not more, than pastors. We need spiritual guides. We need spiritual direction. We need places to worship if that's what we believe in. But being a fair and just business person or lawyer or teacher or whatever, though that's where the world changes is when we be who who we are and not try to fit into this like my I'm going to get the highest spot on the totem pole and be a pastor um or better and that, yet and that'll for end women, up being a letdown anyway yeah it's never what it turns out to be and you know what I hate to you know break it to you all but pastoring is all about luck and who you know and where you're located as much as anything else and I, I, I'm not saying I don't believe God doesn't call or that some of us don't have skills and abilities that lean us more readily into ministry, but that all still has a lot to do with luck, location, and who you know, and that's just being honest. I think we confuse in our society as well, I think we confuse um, success with popularity. You know, we have a society that measures and broadcasts only the exceptional. So every time you do look at Facebook, at Twitter, at all of these things, the news, quite honestly, uh, whether it's good or a bad news story, it's always the most sensational. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we do look inside and reflect on ourselves and so forth, we measure ourselves only against the exceptional. And uh, I think that's a lot of pressure, you know? I think there's a lot of pressure there, too. Not only to be exceptional, but exceptional at everything we try. Right. You know? Right. So So our our last question kind of, uh, I'm intended it to kind of lean into this of, what do do we do when life is not exceptional? Um, There's a lot of, sometimes a lot of emotion, a lot of pain around the holidays for a lot of people. And so trying to start a new year with all these expectations and all of these intentions and goals when you're also grieving an unexpected loss or a a family or friend that has a new diagnosis or whatever like like life is not it's not exceptional all the time sometimes it's gross and in the mud and painful and hurting um and so how i guess as we kind of finish up maybe how has does this work out in your own lives or where have you seen kind of this starting over tradition help you or someone you know kind of restart from all of that heaviness that sometimes happens in November and December for us? I think you have to look forward. And it's, it's we can't hang on. I mean, you can't. Um, and, and, and granted, there are, there's plenty of anchors. Um, but... And it comes to mental discipline and, and 
calming the mind, training the mind to to move forward because bad stuff's just going to happen. Yeah. And I, I mean, my dad died on December twenty third. So right. So you know what? I mean, the first couple of years it was bad. This year it was great. Mm-hmm. So it's it, you. You choose to be happy. And that doesn't dishonor whatever you're remembering. I think that's important to say. No, not at all. Um, yeah, my uh, my mother-in-law was sick and died during you know over this season many many years ago. And so for many years, we would go home after Christmas and watch all of Lord of the Rings and all of Star Trek and and just kind of veg out until that passed. But definitely, yeah, I think that it's gotten a little easier. I still miss her, and I wish she was here. Um, But yeah, I I kind kind of setting up traditions maybe during after the new year that help us move forward, whatever it takes to cope with that and and work through it. Yeah, I think we choose to be happy. Okay. I really do. And you know, and it can be hard. And and we also choose to hang on to sadness. Yeah. And that's easier said than done to let that stuff go. Yeah. But and it does take, you know, mental dis- um, meditation helps a lot and all kinds of other, you know, things, yeah. but And we're and just I mean, not belittling at all someone that may be dealing with serious depression or anxiety that go get help, go go to a counselor. Maybe, maybe it'd be good to have a counselor every January, you know, for a while for the foreseeable future. Just know that that's something I need to do to move forward and I need to do to let go of that. And, and, and eventually that may fade away that need. Um, right. But, but getting help is or okay. Being around other people yep. and not isolating. Sometimes just faking it till you make it. <laughs> Right, just going through the motions and getting out of your four walls or yeah all right well we're gonna give you a hearty cheers into the new year so everybody clink all right and everybody have a happy new year happy new year